Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome into No Nonsense, the Tennessee Times podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wagner, joined as always by my co-host, Will Lomas. And we are here for a post-mortem on the Titans season. It's over. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, am I, though? I'm not sure. Uh, so the Titans lost the season opener, home season opener, to the New York Giants in astounding fashion, really. It, it hurt. It hurt. I heard a lot of people uh, just because they pretty much had control of that game for most of it. But the second half was, was a disaster. Um, and there's a lot to talk about. So I'm just going to pose this question, Will, to you. Why did the Titans lose that game? Uh, it, the easiest thing and probably the most accurate thing is run defense. It just they it's it's so hard because you go back and watch the film and I'll go ahead and just start talking about the game now, but there's guys that, that are in the wrong gaps and it's not like, it's not a lot of veteran guys. Like it's a lot of like, um, I think strong was in one, one time. I think, uh, hand was in one, one time is 97 strong. Cause it was 97. Um, that I'm, I'm not sure which one of them that is, but, uh, they were in the wrong gaps a lot the linebackers were following motion a lot which which hurt because later the like the one of the few times they didn't fall like flow with motion motion went you know it was a jet sweep and uh it was it was just a lot of like guys who looked unprepared and i i i should go back and say we should have expected this this is what mike Vrabel is is you know I, i've said it for 3 years now is he's just He's going to lose to bad teams for for all of the talk about him not wanting bulletin board material and him wanting to shut out the noise and don't believe the hype and all that. He, he does a bad job at it. One of the worst. He and Mike Tomlin are two of the worst coaches in the league at beating bad teams. Because um, I, don't, I don't think anybody watched that game and thought, wow, the Giants are really in control. I mean, the Giants scored with a minute and 18 They were seconds. terrible. They yeah. were terrible for the, almost the entire game. <laughs> yeah. Like, they score with, with, you know, less than a minute and a half left, and they go for a two-point conversion, and they get it. And that that's why the game, you know, the, it, there's a lot to be said about a coach who understands the position he's in. And I think Dabble understood that wins are going to be hard to come by for the Giants this year, that he's got – Saquon Barkley, Barkley healthy right now, which is not a guarantee. So use him as much as you can. And if you've got a chance to win a game early, do it because at at the end of the day, your reputation is going to. If you have a you know a ten game losing streak, it's going to be bad. But if you win one out of every four games and you end the season with you know five wins and twelve losses, but your wins are you know 
parsed out enough to where it doesn't feel like you were ever so terrible, then your reputation will be it will be okay. And he, you know, he understands that and he took advantage. Whereas, you know, we can get into the idea of preseason reps later, um, but there's always tackles missed in week one. It, it just you can't simulate it. Nobody's running full speed. You're not going to tackle your own guys at full speed. It's impossible to simulate. And I mean, even the guys who were playing in the preseason game, like Fulton and, you know, like some of those guys, like they, they weren't tackling well, like that, you know, they were getting run over and instead of squaring up and making a tackle, they would square up and then kind of backpedal and then give up five yards and spin people down. And I mean, they're just giving away free yards at that point. So uh, more than anything, as as much as I want to blame Todd Downing because he is the easy target and he is a big. I mean, make no mistake, uh, the situational offense was a terrible was was terribly done. But the offense, I don't. I mean, I think if the defense keeps Saquon Barkley and uh, and that entire running game at a reasonable. I don't know, 150 yards. What do they have? 200 and something yards. Like if they, if they keep them at 150 yards or if they're anything close to the good defense uh, versus the run that we've seen the last two years, then it's not a game. Like it, the, the giants never get back in it with the long Saquon run. They, they never sustain a drive. Like if, if they can just hold up against that, I think they're fine. Even if they're not overly impressive, but just the crippling, like, you know, gashing runs and the guys who looked like aligned the wrong way like uh, it, it that that was hard to stomach watching at the stadium yeah just super weird because the first half they, they were great like the defense was playing fantastic the pass rush looked as good um as it did last year and the run defense was fine but then after the break it's like it's like they didn't want to play or like they forgot how to play run defense uh which is crazy of course like Full credit to Saquon. He looked amazing. He looked like rookie year Saquon, like untackleable, um, just super elusive uh, and powerful. So so credit to him. But, I mean, it's too many missed tackles, too many missed assignments. Um, and, and you mentioned, like, missed tackles are going to happen week one. You're right, but how come the Giants weren't missing tackles? Derrick Henry couldn't break a single tackle, uh, which is something that we've kind of come to come. It, it, we've grown accustomed to it because that's kind of how we start seasons he didn't really last year he looked better than usual at the start of uh, of last year but he looked like the same tentative can't break tackles derrick henry in this game um and despite that the titans still gave him 21 carries because they were hoping he would break the long one unfortunately uh he didn't um i, I kind of want to know do you think like do you think the Titans need to change their offensive philosophy? I like. I know we shouldn't overreact to Week One, and I'm sure Derrick Henry's going to have a fantastic season uh, by the end of it. But do you think, like, in a game like this where Tannehill is playing really well, uh, the way to move the ball is the passing, the passing game? Like, should they just commit to this going forward? Like, I feel like that's the best way. Uh, for them to attack some of these teams. I mean, they're going to be forced into it probably against the Bills and the Chiefs when they play them uh, this year. But, I mean, they could have put 40 points on the Giants if they really wanted to. Yeah. Don't get your hopes up. Like, the problem isn't— Oh, no, no, I know. I I just read a Vrabel quote about Swaim taking—getting the most snaps because he's the best blocking tight end that we have. Yeah, so so who cares? Like, yeah. pass the ball instead of r- running then, but it's not going to happen with Vrabel at the helm. No, and Vrabel is, Vrabel is the one in charge, and I think there are things that the coordinators do. I think that – I'm trying to find the right way to say it. I think an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator can only be so much of themselves with Mike Vrabel as a head coach because, you know, everybody raves about how I've never seen somebody go from position group to position group and talk to him and be in meetings. And, okay, that that sounds good, but what he's actually doing is micromanaging everything. And he said it before that he believes that a successful football team runs the ball almost as much as they pass it. Like, he's been a big proponent of you want a 50-50 split between your running and passing game. And 
he's he's talked about over and over how much he values a running game and how you know that to the point where Mike Keith is putting out the propaganda on uh on the the live broadcast like not even just outside like in interviews and stuff but he's talking about it's like oh you just have to keep chipping away at it you know with first down runs and it's like no like that's not how football works I, I don't you know, we don't have to do this anymore. Like we, we've got, we've seen that there are better ways to do this, but I don't think that they're going to change anything. And should they change things? Yeah. The more successful part of their game right now is the one that Todd Downing doesn't have any control over, which is the passing game. So uh, in that respect, they should absolutely be a pass first team and that should open up the run. And then as soon as people, because the way this has always worked is, if defenses overreact to the run, you throw the ball. If they overreact to the pass, you run the ball. But if you don't make your adjustment and if they say, okay, they're overreacting to the run and you say, okay, well, I'm still going to call 50% run, 50% pass going forward, you lose the advantage. I mean, you lose you lose what you're trying to create, which is mismatches. So as long as Mike Brabel is, is screaming about first down runs and trying to get the ball moving that way, I – that I don't think they ever will change. Yeah, I'm honestly almost to the point where I blame Brable more uh, for this loss than I do Todd Downing. Um, there's just stuff that it, it keeps popping up, man. And one of them is like the the reliance on the running game. I do think that's a Brable thing. Like that's just how he wants to play. And then his reliance on on his guys, you know, like Jeff Swaim is one of them. Um, he's just not talented. Like, I don't know what else we, we have to see from him. Uh, then there's guys like Nick Westbrook, Akina, who find like solid blocker. He cannot get open. He cannot get open against any cornerback. And like we see it on, on a third down. I can't remember at what point in the game it was like, he's running a slant route. Can't, cannot get any separation on the cornerback. Tannehill throws it to him because he's like the only, he's like the first read on that play and he's the only one who's really an option. And Nick Westbrook Akina is never gonna catch that. He's never gonna make a contested catch like that. And like that's one of Brapel's guys, you know, and, and there's a lot of them. It happened with Dylan Cole also. Why was he on the field on the two point conversion? Like he's a, a full time special teamer. And you're 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 banking on him on the most important play of the game. Why is he even on the field? Like I, I think it might have been a, a jumbo package, but what? Why why is he there? Why is he there? Why are you relying on him uh, to make that play? So I don't know. I'm just I'm getting to a little honestly know who controls personnel because it's it, got to be Brable, man. Well, you see I, it has to be. Up, I mean, you see Brable hold up like his pinky or whatever, whenever the, it's like third down. And like, he's clearly calling something to the defense. Like I, he's not calling the plays because the plays we saw last year on defense are not, although I will say it, we did not see as much of the same stuff that we saw last year, this year, which I, I dislike, but it would, it also wasn't the stuff that we saw in 2020 and 2019. Um, but I, the, uh, I, I don't understand how it works. I don't know if if because they're all in a headset together, right? So maybe maybe the rule is the guy calling the plays is on the headset and he's talking, which happens sometimes. So maybe you've got uh, Bowen calling the play out, and then as soon as Vrabel hears what the play is, he's signaling formation so that everybody can see. Like I, I don't have a problem with that, but it doesn't matter who. Like let's talk about the offense. It doesn't matter who the coordinator is, whether it's uh, you know, not not back to Rubisky, but whether it's uh, Lafleur, that's what I was trying to think of, Lafleur or uh, Arthur Smith or Downing or whoever, they don't play their wide receiver one. Like AJ, I, I, I looked up the stat like after the uh, trade happened, but AJ Brown only played in I believe three games, or sorry, sorry, that's not right, in eight games uh, in his three years with the Titans, where he played over ninety percent of the snaps. And that's because they just rotate their guys out all the time. Like other teams don't take their wide receiver one out that much, like not even close. And and this week, you know, the wide receiver one is Robert Woods, right? So, and he played 73%. And I think it was Robert Greenlaw who, who tweeted this out, that that was like fifth lowest in the league. Like they just don't believe in it, which 
I know they liked AJ and I know they wanted to pay AJ, but that's probably why they weren't like going to give him like the ransom money that he basically got held for after they agreed to a deal with after the Eagles and he had already agreed to a deal because, you know, you just you don't you, they don't value the position that much like and we could talk about the receivers that the Titans had later. But uh, the point in all that is, is I don't know who's in charge of the goal line packages because like they they always use their special team linebacker there like they did it with uh last year yeah for no reason in the past like it's like they just they put those guys out there and i don't know if they're like well nobody's going to be crazier and jump into a pile quicker than these guys and it's like i don't know man like i it it doesn't work like I, i i mean will compton had that one play where he it looked like he forced a fumble but he didn't but he did recover the fumble like but other than that one time, it's just, I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, it's just a weird decision. And it also against Brable is that he's just too timid. Like, in the end, playing for a field goal was, you know, they had a timeout in their pocket. They let a delay game happen, or, or they, they almost let a delay game happen, and they used the timeout instead, which was stupid. They had plenty of time to That run was, that pissed me off. Man. I don't understand. That pissed like, run another play, like throw it over the middle, like, you know, throw it over the middle, quarterback sneak or quarterback boot or whatever you want to do, like hand it to Derrick Henry if you want, like whatever. But you've got a timeout in your pocket. You're at a 40 – they were at a 45-yard field goal at that point. And then instead – He acts like – he acts like his kickers – like his kicker is Justin Tucker. And he's done this for like several years, like – your kicker is Randy Bullock, who is notorious for missing important kicks throughout his career, and you're settling for a 47, 48-yard field goal. It, it just, it's baffling. It's baffling to me. Well, and it's like that's what they were playing for. Like, I mean, it's not like, okay, that's as far as we got. We got to settle for it. It's like, okay, that you know, 47, perfect. Go ahead and uh, take a knee, and then we'll send out. Like, I, I, for somebody who, you know, everybody talked about full tilt downhill or whatever it you know was was something that they had written on on the gates or whatever this year like one of their idioms and you know he doesn't coach with aggression he coaches scared i mean he coaches conservative and scared for the most part and it's just you know uh, i it's tiring to watch and you know, there's other teams around the league who are going for it more on fourth down, and the Titans go for it on fourth down some. That's not always their problem, but it's just, like, there's just times where he he seems like he's too willing to defer to what somebody else wants to do, like the jet sweep or whatever, or he's not confident enough in what the team believes in, where it's like, you know, when the chips were down yesterday and they had to do things to close out the game, they didn't rely on Derrick Henry in the run game. Like they they relied on Chigakonkwo on a sweep that was poorly designed. Like I I don't know it, it's it's disheartening and you know it, it it's one of those things where I don't I don't think there's anything that can fix it. I think it's one of his fatal flaws and I don't know if it's because he doesn't take the team seriously enough or he doesn't convince his players to take them seriously enough or whatever. But uh, I mean it's it's aggravating and I don't think it's going to change. But we we need to either accept that he is this guy and like you know publicly talk about how you know hey it, if it's a bad team it's a 50-50 chance they're going to lose or if we just are going to keep hoping that maybe he's going to finally break out of this I, I don't know yeah i don't know i mean the next couple of weeks are going to tell especially next week against uh, although i don't i don't really think we could take too much out of Uh, If they lose to the Bills, because the Bills look incredible. But yeah, I I think you said uh, at some point that he's like fake aggressive, like he acts like he's an aggressive uh, roller of the dice. He's not, man. He just he plays scared. He plays he coaches not to lose like I think that's that's the biggest thing. And that's one of the that's like a terrible flaw for a coach, in my opinion. Um, and it reared its ugly head in this game. Like the second half, they were playing just just to not lose. Meanwhile, other teams, for instance, the Buffalo Bills, they have Josh Allen. They're throwing the ball when they're up like 35 to 7 because they don't care. 
They just want to score as many points as possible, and that's what you're supposed to do when you're a really good team. And the Titans, theoretically, are a very good team, a very talented team. Tannehill was playing really good in this game. They should have let him loose, and they should have kept trying to score points, but they didn't, and it ended up coming back to haunt them. So it's just frustrating, man. It it, it really is, but I I, I don't think it's going to change. So it is what it is. Um, let's do it. Let, let's get into the Todd Downing discussion. We've talked enough about Vrabel. We've kind of hinted um, at some of the things that Todd Downing uh, did in this game. For instance, the, the third and one tight end sweep, possibly the worst play call uh, I've ever seen, aside from that Eric Decker. The Eric, do you remember the Eric Decker uh, wide receiver end around pass? Uh, I that. can't remember who was. That was Rabisky, right? Yeah, and and then also Rubisky. the because uh, yeah because Decker Decker only played under Rabisky, but yeah, uh, also the Stalker fullback dive was pretty. Oh um, man, yeah, the Rabisky was the plays, same thing. Yeah, the Rabisky plays thing. were pretty bad. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what, do you want to start talk or do you want me to? Just I don't. Know. You could go in on him because like. There's I don't even know what else to say. Like he is bad at his job. Like the Titans go into every single matchup against a defensive coordinator at a mismatch. Like they are they come into every game with a net negative at offensive coordinator in relation to the other team's defensive coordinator. And the other team's defensive coordinator could be the worst coordinator in the league. Todd Downing is still gonna be worse than him. And there's just nothing we could do until Mike Rabel and John Robinson make a change. There's nothing we could do. And Todd Downing is not going to change. Yeah. I, I want to say that uh, somebody said that uh, 19, because Derrick Henry uh, ran the ball 21 times, that 19 of his 21 rushing attempts came on first down, which. The most predictable, the most predictable offense, I, I think, I think we've seen in, in a long time. Just run on the first two downs, get into the third down, and hope that Tannehill or one of the receivers bails you out. It's crazy. Somebody described it like this, too, where they said that when he calls plays, it looks like he's calling plays to try to get in third and short. Like, it doesn't look like he's trying to get first downs. They just want to get in manageable situations. Like, and I'm like, why? Well, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. I know why. It's because when he was in charge of the passing game, it was so abysmal that I'm sure he thinks that you can nobody can complete a pass for more than seven yards uh, unless it's just a broken play. So I understand why he coaches like that. But I mean, it's terrible. Like basically, Tim Kelly is handed second and third down every drive and said, "Okay, make something happen. And to his credit, like his plays work like. There was a, they ran 13 play action passes, I believe, and uh, there were uh, that was more than all except for two games last year. So 15 of the 17 games. So clearly that was an emphasis. I wrote an article today about how uh, how much better the passing game is than the off than the uh, running game, because you can look and uh, Derrick Henry's missing some holes like there's, you know, I don't think anybody who watched that game thinks that Derrick Henry got everything he could get. And it, going forward, that'll change. He's always bad in uh, September. Like, I remember even in his 2,000-yard season, his first two games were bad. Like, he had, like, 101 or something yards against the Broncos, but he carried it 31 times. And then uh, they played in – Oh, did they play in Minnesota that year? They did. They had another game where he just wasn't very effective either. And then last year it was the same way where he just starts off slow, and that's fine. Like he, you know, he works himself into shape or whatever. But the running game just was not working, and the explosive like so there was one explosive gain in the running game, and there was another that got called back because a penalty that was questionable. But Boger is always going to be terrible. Um, but yeah, like this is a good time to bring up the passing offense and talk about uh, the. You may not know this, or you may follow me on Twitter, one of the two, because I've tweeted about it twice, I believe, that uh, the Titans had seven passes of 20 or more yards, which is, uh, I, I don't think I've tweeted this out, which is a fifth of how many they had last year, because they only had 35. Uh, 
and it leads the league in 20 plus yard passes. Like that nobody in the NFL has more or e- like, I think the next is six. I think Buffalo has six, but nobody had as many 20 plus yard passes as the Titans did. And that's because they went to play action. They leaned on that. And Tannehill was great. Like, I mean, he read things quickly. He read them on the move and he placed them exactly where they needed to go. And it, the beneficiaries of it were Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips, who both of them had two different 20 uh, plus yard catches. And I mean, they looked great. Like, they looked more comfortable and more viable than, you know, any other weapon on the Titans team. So uh, that's that's a good thing to lean on. But uh, the more I talk about how good they do, the more aggravated I get with how bad Todd Downing is. Yeah, no, that's interesting that that they're much more explosive, but it makes sense because Tannehill is playing well and the Titans have a lot of talent like they have explosive talent on offense. The problem is. They don't always utilize it. Like, Burks had 36—he played 36% of the snaps, man. Like, and with Nick Westbrook-Akina played 68, I believe it was. Fine, like, he's a better run blocker, sure, whatever. Don't want to waste uh, Burks for that. But put him on the field, man. Burks and Phillips were the best offensive players that we had yesterday. And I don't, I don't even think it was close, really. I, well, Hilliard also. Hilliard barely played. He scored two touchdowns. Every time, he touched, every time he touches the ball, it's an explosive play waiting to happen. And he got, what, three touches, I think it was? He played 18% of the snaps. Like, that guy should be playing more. These guys who actually make plays when they get the ball in their hands, they should be on the field a lot more often uh, than they are. And I don't know if that's a variable thing. I don't know if it's a downing thing. I really couldn't tell you. Um, I think it's both, to be honest with you. But the problem is that Downing, whoever's on the field, he just doesn't maximize um, their talent with his with his scheme and play calls. Um, and he's, there's still like some plays where there's like three tight ends on the field running all the routes, and then there's no receivers, um, especially not the rookies who are the best players on the field. Um, and it's just. It's tiresome, man. It, it, it honestly is tiresome, but there's no light at the end of the tunnel because this is like this was exactly what we were scared of going into the season. And every time we tried to get excited about the Titans offense, we were like, but they do still have Todd Downing as their offensive coordinator, and he may just bring everything down with him. And so far through one week, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, I, yeah. the the only The only saving grace is maybe uh, because I don't know when Vrabel decides to like look at things big picture and say like, okay, this is what we are right now. What do we need to change? But it usually takes a little bit. But he should see how much Phillips and Burks are doing. They should get more snaps. I mean, they were already the most productive part of the passing game. So they should continue to get targets or get more targets. And then the more you have your best players on the field, the more, you know, you can do like the, the less of, you know, quote, uh, the less Mike Vrabel views them as quote unquote rookies. And he starts, you know, viewing them as actual, like, okay, you're starters on this team now, whenever, whether that takes him a week or a month or whatever, once that uh, switch flips, then, Hopefully they get out there more and, you know, you can get more of these explosive plays and you can get they, those guys can get more comfortable. But I mean, the, the only surprise to me in terms of the snap counts from the rookies is how high they were compared to what I figured would happen, because a lot of rookies got got a fair amount of time. And that's positive because this rookie class is really good. I, I mean, you know, whether you want to talk about. Burks or Phillips like we have, or Nicholas petit Frere who looked good at right tackle, you know, or if you want to talk about Chigakonkwo, who caught one pass, and it lo- almost looked like he had an explosive catch because he went 19 yards, but then he was down, but it was still a big catch, and I believe it was still a first down. And then you have McCreary, who I think gave up, like, one or two completions, but they were both short and in front of him, and, like, they, they were, like, calculate. It wasn't like he got beat on anything. Like, this whole class looks good. So they they even trusted Haskins in the in the yeah. final minute. Yeah, as and the they were able to lie about uh, Hilliard not being available. Yeah, what was that? What I was mean, that about? Like, I don't know what Vrabel like. Vrabel's like they'll never talk to the players, and then like because it, it happened last year with Julio. So I don't know if like I don't know if 
Brable talks to him and just says, hey, no matter what, don't tell him you're injured. And then he's like, he's unavailable. And then they go and ask, and he said, no, I was available. Like, I don't know if that's because, remember, so who the whole, like, what hamstring, like, thing. And I don't I don't know what the deal is there. I, I mean, but there, there's obviously something, some weird disconnect that they've had the last couple of years, so... I'm not I'm not sure about that. But yeah, Haskins was out there and he, you know, I didn't see him mess up any. So, you know, that that was positive. And so, you know, like as these guys progress and get more opportunities and learn more of the playbook and earn their roles and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully the offense gets better and hopefully that intersects with Derrick Henry feeling like Derrick Henry again and the weather getting colder and all that. But uh for this week versus Buffalo that there's not, there's not a lot to say like, well, I'm sure this and this will change and everything will be okay. Yeah. Agreed. And I, I do believe we should, I mean, we should give credit to Vrabel for, for playing the rookies more than he would normally, but I think he did it because he needed to like the rookies are some of the best players on the team this early, which is crazy, but it really does look like an amazing uh, draft class, and I hope they play more because they, they showed out in in their first game, almost all of them. So uh, good for them. Hopefully we see more from them uh, going forward. Um, real quick, uh, Christian Fulton had a kind of a rough game. Was it only that long one, or, or did you see any other um, concerning patterns in his play? No, I mean, for the most part, he looked fine. Like, it, the problem is he's never going to be a great tackler. Um, and I think he got kind of out there on an island a few times and had to be asked to make a tackle, and I don't think he did a great job on those. But, I mean, McCreary didn't either, if, if, you know, if it makes anybody feel better. So it's not it's not like he looks like the worst corner. I don't – I so rewatching the long touchdown. The shepherd, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what he thinks happens because he's kind of in good <laughs> position, and then he's he, it's like he's looking back and he's expecting – yeah. The safety to be there. That's yeah. the only thing I could think of. Or, or he's trying to like, or he's waiting for a break the other way, like something. And I don't know if they just ran that route the same way, like five times. And then the sixth time they ran it, he broke a different way and it just caught him off guard. Or, I mean, the pass rush looked like it was getting close. So maybe, maybe from that angle, he thought that there was going to be a sack and he like, he kind of took off for a second or what, like, or maybe it's just the fact that, it, you know, Daniel Jones hadn't thrown anything like that. Like, th- they had not seen him throw a deep ball down the field. So, you know, one, would he even do it? And two, uh, would he be able to do it accurately? Because it's not, I mean, it's not like Fulton physically doesn't have the skills. Like, we know Fulton can do that. I mean, that's how he picked off uh, Trevor Lawrence last year in the game when Trevor Lawrence said that they might think about throwing it towards uh, Christian Fulton. So, like, we know that he can do it. Like, it, it just is a very weird thing to see him just decide, like, maybe it's not that big of a deal if I cover my guy for the rest of this play. Um, so, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't I don't think that's a problem. We've seen a year full of tape of it not being a problem for him. He doesn't appear to be hurt. Like, you know, uh, the, there's nothing that stands out like, wow, there's no chance he was ever going to make that play. It was just he stopped and Daniel Jones looked for his one deep route and saw that he was open and threw the bomb. And that, that, that was enough. Yeah. It, I think it was just a bad play. I wouldn't expect that um, to happen too often with him. Uh, really. Um, let's move on to maybe some more pause. Every time I try to move on to some positivity, uh, I just look back at the box score and I see that the Titans lost to, Sterling Shepard, who was coming off an Achilles tear nine months ago, Richie James, the corpse of Kenny Galladay, David Sills, Chris Myerick. And it just drives me crazy, but it is what it is. This is this is the Vrabel process. So let's hope uh, he could get back to, to winning ways against the Bills, which he's done throughout his coaching career. But uh, just to put a wrap on this game, what for you were the biggest bright sides to, to me, it was the rookies. Like the, the rookies were the best players uh, on the offense at least. And, and I mean, Petit Freer was great. He had, he looked really solid too. Uh, I was just super impressed by them. I'm glad they, they got playing time. I still think they deserve to get more playing time. I think that for me, that was, that was the biggest bright side. Also the fact that Tannehill looked like prime Tannehill, like he looked really good. 
Uh, and, and I think that was a good sign after what happened at the end of last season. Yeah, Tannehill, the rookies were both good. Jeffrey Simmons was otherworldly. Like we've, we're so accustomed to him just completely yeah. being the best player on the field. Yeah, that's the problem. Is like the last time we saw him was against Cincinnati when he had three sacks uh, or two or whatever he had. Um, because I, I was at that game and I forget which ones they called back and which ones they didn't. But uh, the fact, I mean, he killed that offensive. I mean, like. They would double team him. They would triple team him. He had like a strip sack. He had a like a regular sack. There was like a cleanup sack. He had a tackle for loss where they they thought they'd run by him, and he just reminded everybody that he's like six foot five, but really like with his arms is like twelve feet tall. I mean, it, he was there, there was a play. I think the touchdown pass there. He runs over the guard, and it could have been called a holding, but it obviously wasn't. Uh, but he runs him over like. He he continues to look like a different human, and it's good because, uh, you know, Simmons never – like Simmons is like Landry. Like, he's never on a cold streak. It's just sometimes the box score it in there, and then once, once they get their first sack, once they get their first big play, they start adding those and stacking them up. But, I mean, I, I don't – this game is right up there with the Rams game and – I would say it's probably better than the Rams game, even though he had three sacks in the Rams game. Uh, he was more consistent throughout the whole game that he was dominant. It wasn't just like a first half where he was dominant and then a second half where he was quieter. It was just, it, he was so good. And, you know, uh, it gets, it gets lost because, because they didn't win, but uh, like how, how good he did and how much that Weaver and Bud Dupree looked good too. But how well that pass rush did was great. And Danico Autry is not not fully healthy. Like he he's working through something and he'll be back. Like, but people don't don't forget last year he didn't start out hot either. You know, he did I don't even know if he was active. He was either inactive or he didn't start and was behind Laurel Murchison or something in week one last year. So uh, Autry's not necessarily a guy who starts out super fast, but Bud Dupree looked fast. Simmons looked strong, fast, and long. Like uh, Weaver looked, he looked fine. Like there were times when it was there was too much thinking going on. But that'll happen when you have to play a read option team that runs RPOs and jet sweeps and all that. Like it's it's a lot to think about. Uh, But I mean that that front defensive line, especially when they're pass rushing, did a really really good job. I agree. Uh, The defensive line looked good. Um, That was encouraging, especially with Landry. Uh, after the season, Weaver was great in terms of pass rush. I think they started getting a little annoyed uh, because he wasn't setting the edge. I think that's why Tillon Cole got a couple of snaps uh, towards the end, which uh, is crazy. But anyway, um, definitely encouraging stuff from Weaver. Of course, Simmons is a beast. I thought Bud Dupree looked pretty solid, too, although more so in the first half than the second half. But um, yeah, definitely encouraging. So we're going to take a quick ad break, and then when we come back, we're going to preview the Titans' Week 2 opponent, the Buffalo Bills. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Now that the Giants are in the rearview mirror, the Titans are going to have to look forward, uh, and they have to travel to Buffalo to take on the Super Bowl favorite Buffalo Bills. Um I don't want to ask you straight up, can the Titans beat the Bills? Because, of course, they can. Any team could beat any team uh, on any given week. But do you think this season is going to be the exact same in terms of the Titans just totally playing down to their opponents and then playing up to their opponents? I Well, I, I didn't think that this would be the time when they played down to their opponents. So, because uh, I thought they would have, uh, with... I thought last year and even the year before they got too much of the like, oh, well, like, you know, congratulations, you made it to the AFC South championship game. Like, you know, you you overachieved. And then the next year it was like, well, you won the AFC South the first time. Like, that's great. Like you got like now it was you won the AFC South again and nobody cared. And then you got bump, like bumped quickly or bounced quickly from the playoffs, you know, prove that you deserve to be, you know, up there with the other teams and they didn't do it. So I, I, you know, I wasn't expecting that, but having said all that, like, 
the problem is this is a team that's built to get better with time. Like as long as they stay healthy, knock on wood, but you know, you've got a young, we we've talked about all the rookies. Everybody knows where the rookies are. You've got Derrick Henry who gets better with time as the season goes on. You've got an offensive coaching staff that has to figure out who's calling plays when, and they, they need to, to slide that scale more towards Tim Kelly then you've got a head coach who needs to be convinced and has to see things first before he can believe them. And now he can see that, okay, this is what we are. Maybe we need to lean more into the past, even if it's slightly more, but not a, not a fundamental like shift in thinking, but you know, all, all of those things have to happen and he has to see those things first. So I think this team is, I would rather play Buffalo in week eight than week two. Uh, because of how hot they are and they get to go, you know, as their home opener. But in terms of can the Titans or the Titans going to play up to people of this caliber? Yeah. Like I, I would think so. Like the Titans really for, for all the nitpicking we do, they, they checked off a lot of their boxes. Like if not for the explosive plays, which, you know, you can't really play that game, but if not for the explosive plays, there was only one drive where the Giants really moved the ball effectively for any length of time. You know, it was a three and out to start, and then it was uh, a couple of plays, and then a punt after that, and then it was a fumble, and then they had an intercept. You know, the Titans got an interception in the end zone after a muffed punt by Kyle Phillips. Like, it, they were very stingy for the most part. It was just once the Giants could see where where their defensive game plan wasn't solid, then they started chipping away at that. And once they found that crack, the Titans couldn't correct quickly enough. So if not for those big plays, the Titans would have been ahead by more and wouldn't have allowed uh, the Giants to get back into the game. So uh, as bad as it looks on paper, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it reminds me a lot of the loss we saw on, on Monday with the Broncos and uh, the Seahawks. Like there was a stupid decision at the end to kick a field goal when you should have tried for more to at the very least make a field goal easier. But for the most part, uh, there were some things that didn't go your way because it, it was penalties for the Broncos, but it was, you know, the run defense for the Titans, but they're correctable. But your big players made plays, and that's that's what you needed to see. So, again, like it's a long way of saying, like, do I expect the Titans to play up to their competition? Yes. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I, I think we just have to accept at this point that Brable is going to constantly try to win every game 23-20, to 20, and he's going to be furious if the Titans score more than 35 points in a game. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect the Titans to get blown out uh, by any means in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if they win this game. Wouldn't be surprised uh, if they lose a close one. I, I think the Bills are really, they're a really good team, and they're a very tough opponent. They're starting off their their season, their home opener. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. I, you say that you'd rather uh, face them in Week Eight. I, I kind of agree, but also. Um, I'm glad that they're not playing Buffalo in like a snowstorm. I, I think that actually plays to the Titans' advantage. Although the Titans do play better in the cold, but I would rather play Buffalo not in a snowstorm. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from the Titans. If they don't like, if they get blown out by Buffalo, I, I'm 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 probably gonna hit the panic button. Because if they're losing games to, to to opponents that aren't good and they're also getting blown out by opponents that are very good, then I don't know what we have to to uh, to go off of for the Titans going forward. But it's early. Well, it's early. Let's yeah, let's talk about it like this, just to get out in front of it so I can save you from yourself. Um the best season the Titans have had was when they went to the AFC championship, like in terms of like winning and, you know, stepping up and all that. And that happened in large part because of a quarterback change, but they also, you know, I think they lost to the Panthers uh, with, yeah, I know that I remember now they did. They lost to the Panthers on that run and they had a couple of bumps in the road against good teams where they really weren't in that game with the Panthers until like kind of at the end when they scored a touchdown, but not really. And then last year they lost to the, I mean, the Titans lost, no, I'm sorry, this was 2020. In 2020, the Titans lost to the Browns, 
by a pretty wide margin, and that was oh, that was we got game. wrecked in that yeah. game. And that, also that last was, year to the Cardinals, also we got blown yeah. out. So. so it's like it's like they they yeah. lose games like that. But the the whole moral of this story is all they have to do is win the AFC South. And I I mean I personally have higher aspirations for the team. I think they're I think they've got true superstars in a couple of spots, and then I think they have a bunch of like really good guys in other places. So I think when you have that, you should expect more. But having said that, like, to get a ticket to the playoffs, all you need to do is win in the AFC South. And the Titans have won in the AFC South in the past. The rest of the AFC South continues to look weak. Like, nobody won last week, which is hard when two teams play each other. But uh, that nobody nobody looks like they're ready to come and take the Titans' crown. And I would say that the Colts look much worse than expected because— uh, well, we we talk about them a different time, but I think the Colts look bad, and I think that uh, the Jaguars also struggled a lot too. Which for all the off-season hype about them getting better and this, that, and the other, I think they struggled. And the Texans look like they're going to overachieve, but I just don't know that they have the talent they need to to make any sort of ripples. So, all that being said, you know I think ten wins wins the AFC South pretty convincingly. And if you have the right eight wins early in the season, I think it's locked up by, you know, before Thanksgiving. So we'll see what happens. But as long as the Titans have it figured out by the time they play the Colts, you know, what is it, twice in three or four weeks or something? Like, once they have that figured out, then if they can get that figured out by then and they can win those games, then everything else becomes a lot easier and a lot less pressure. But no matter what happens in the front part of the schedule, it's it, those games are still the ones that look like the most important ones to beat. Yeah, you're not wrong. I also don't want to go like schedule watching, but after they play the Bills, they play the Raiders, who don't look very good at all. Um, then they have a game against the Colts, then the Commanders, then the Colts again, and then the Texans. So they could definitely, even if they lose this game to the Bills, they could definitely still uh, you know, rebound and, and have a good season overall. And I think they will. Like, I don't think this team is bad. I, I think they just, they they went full Vrabel against the Giants. Like, that's just what it is. Um, and like I said, I really wouldn't be surprised if they if they win this game against the Bills. This is just what they've done uh, over the past couple of seasons. This is how they operate, um, at, at least for the time being. I also wouldn't be surprised if Derrick Henry comes out and just looks like prime Derrick Henry. Like, he, he did it against Buffalo. Um, it was last season, right? I think it was um, yeah, at home. And then, and then the season before was the stiff arm to Josh Norman. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, he, he loves playing the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so it might be a game where he just completely takes over. Um, kind of like he did uh, against Seattle last last year in week two as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really crazy. Like, Derrick Henry could just mask all of your problems if he has one of those 200-plus yard games that he's been so keen uh, to get over his career. Uh, so hopefully we see that on Monday night. But if not, yeah, you're right. It's, it's not the end of the world. But, but talking a little bit more about this game against the Buffalo Bills, uh, is there a way to slow down Josh Allen, do you think? Like, I, like he's, he's really good. Like, he's probably a top-five quarterback in the league, possibly top three right now. Uh, I don't think he's better than Mahomes, but he's, he's knocking on the door. Uh, he just beats you in so many different ways. What do you think the Titans have to do uh, in order to slow him down? Yeah, it's so the whole thing with the Giants is that they, you know, they got the Bills old coordinator and that should help the Titans figure out how to attack the Bills going forward. And maybe they see stuff in alignment and, you know, things to coach on to where there's not as many gashes uh, from the Bills this week. But, I mean, it's it's so much more difficult because the Giants are based around Saquon and the Bills are based around Josh Allen. Like, it's going to be a completely different game plan. And, like, I, I, I don't know if the Titans I, – I think the Titans played them with Diggs last year, but not the year before. I think 2020 they didn't have Diggs when they, they came to Tennessee. And I think last year they did, and the Titans still won. But, you know, last year the Titans put up 38 
after I think it was thirty eight. Um, after they uh, had just lost to uh, who? Are they? Now, Diggs, now I just I just checked by the way. Diggs did play in that blowout. He had a hundred yards actually. So. Okay. Yeah. So so that that checks that checks that box. Um. So. I'm trying to remember. I know they played them week five. Uh, I think week four was the Colts game on uh, at home. But now, now my wires are getting a little crossed. But um, either way, it was it was not an impressive stretch because they were two and two going into that game with losses to the Cardinals and the Jets. So um, it, it wasn't overly optimistic then. And then the offense out of nowhere, you know. AJ Brown got hot in the second half. Julio Jones caught a pass. Like they weren't afraid to throw the ball around and they made big plays. So going back to the original thing, like uh, maybe the Titans can, can flip a switch and just decide to throw, throw the ball more, even though that's against type. And the reason that's important is because you don't want to be afraid of Josh Allen running or throwing the ball the whole game. Like, if you can put him in a situation where he pretty much needs to throw the ball or else he's afraid of your offense scoring, then it's not as much confusion and it's more, okay, you can run, but uh, you know, you're not, you're not going to kill us with the pass. And if you want to run it five, six, tw- 10, 12 times, okay. Like we're willing to die that way. But uh, that, cause that would put everything back on the defensive backs. And I think, I think the defensive backs will play better throughout the season, and I think they're talented. And I think the more you can have on the defensive backs and the less you can have on the linebackers, the better. Um, and the more pass rush you can get, the better. So to to stop him completely, I mean, I'm sure somebody will do it. Like the Titans held uh, Patrick Mahomes scoreless when they played them last year at home, and then uh, it took Chad Henney getting down to kick a field goal, I think. Or, or maybe Mahomes did that before he went out. But – like, it's not impossible. We've seen them do it before, and we've seen them do it banged up. So, you know, that there could be a really good game plan. But, you know, you should just hope that you keep him under 30, and then you deal with the consequences from there. Because that's just how you have to prep for this team. Because, like you said, he's so good. Like, he's he's just Cam Newton, but, like, with more weapons. Yeah, his his development has been crazy. Like when he came out of college, I, I don't, not a lot of people gave him a chance. I didn't give him much of a chance. He looked terrible in college. He couldn't. He had no accuracy. He had no touch on anything. He really didn't know how to play quarterback. But what a transformation uh, he's made. So I'm excited for the game just because I get to watch him and I get to watch uh, the Titans play. It's kind of twofold. I really do like watching him play. Um, I like a lot of players on the Bills, to be honest. So definitely going to be a fun one. Um, yeah, just going back through the last few games, the times I've played against the Bills, Diggs has caught a lot of passes, and he's gotten almost 100 yards in both of the games. But like he's been under 10 yards per catch um, in both games. So they seem to know how to, how to limit his big plays, although the emergence of Gabriel Davis kind of makes things uh, difficult for for cornerbacks so we'll see how the titans play this game uh like i said before henry could just take over and win the game for the titans it wouldn't surprise me uh, although that bill's d-line looks really really good they just keep adding names and pieces um i don't know ed oliver got injured in that rams game i don't know if he's gonna play uh in this one i'm not sure on his injury status Hopefully he doesn't. I mean, hopefully he's fine, but hopefully he doesn't play because he looked like Houston College at Oliver uh, in that season opener. So it would be a pretty big boon for the Titans offense if he doesn't play. But it's going to be difficult either way, but definitely excited to watch that one. So we're going to take another ad break and then we're going to wrap up with Stop the Nonsense. Welcome back into Stop to oh my god i almost said welcome back into stop the nonsense welcome back into no nonsense and tennessee times podcast as we do our stop the nonsense segment will do you want to go first uh i certainly will so uh hopefully this doesn't come back to bite me but my stop the nonsense uh this week is about anthony richardson who if you don't watch college football or if you're not an sec fan then this segment's not going to be for you so 
Florida hosted Utah in week one and their quarterback, uh, their quarterback did good. Like he, he was really mobile. He was efficient. Like he was, he was really fun to watch and that's great. And if you're a Vols fan, like I am, then you've watched Hendon Hooker be super efficient. I think he had 35 touchdown passes and three, tu- uh, three interceptions last year. Uh, and he, you know, he can run all that kind of stuff. He does everything you want to do. And all of a sudden, uh, Florida was basically being anointed as the best team in the East other than Georgia because that they had this great quarterback and Hendon Hooker was was good, but he, you know, he he's not going to be that guy ever. Blah 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 blah. So fast forward a week to when they played Kentucky and he had one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Like just absolutely trashed. Like, like didn't know, didn't look comfortable at any point through a pick six. And so after the game, uh, he was talking and he gave a quote where he said, uh, I was, uh, I got a little shook after I missed my first few passes. And you can't say that if you're an sec quarterback, because the Vols just put, uh, Keaton Slovis, who was the starter for Pittsburgh, uh, they put him out of the game and they put the other guy, the second string quarterback out of the game, but he limped his way back in and still, you know, the uh, the Titans, the ball still won in overtime, but uh, they were head hunting in the, in the legalist sense of the word um, against Pittsburgh. And if you tell the Vols defense that, 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 oh man, I missed my first few passes and then I got shook. They're going to swarm you. So uh, there's a good chance that Florida plays nobody this week. But in two weeks when the Vols host Florida, that for all the hype that Richardson had in week one and all of that, that they go to Tennessee and that Tennessee is favored and, you know, maybe cross your fingers that they beat Florida. And then all of a sudden, I just want to hear and see all of the people retract their statements and talk about how good Hendon Hooker is and how they never, you know, if they even admit that they slighted him in the first place, like I, this is more of a, uh, a preview of this is a dunking on everybody and a, and no nonsense on everybody who said that Richardson was the superhero quarterback of the sec East. And at the same time, it's also a preview of how uh, completely, uh, impossible it will be to be around me if the Vols beat Florida and are 4-0 uh, after the first month of the season. So get ready for that and uh, get ready to deal with me and the arrogance that lasts until the next Titans game. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't been watching too much college football, but there were definite, definite like calls for Anthony Richardson to win the Heisman after week one. Um, and I just saw his stat line for, uh, for week two. So, uh, interesting stuff there. I, his QBR was 3.8. How was it? Was it that bad? Apparently it was, yeah, uh, it was, it was rough, man. That's crazy. So yeah, maybe, uh, stop the hype train a little bit on him. So my stop the nonsense is Jerry Jones. I don't know where to start with this guy. He is just. He's the worst. He's the worst at, at, at everything. Um, and I, I'm just going to start with just his, his his decisions as a general manager, his his personnel moves. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the Sunday night game. The Cowboys looked like one of the worst offenses uh, in the NFL. They they're <laughs> they're a wide receiver group. By the way, they they like they traded away Amari Cooper for peanuts. I'm not a huge Amari Cooper fan, but like he's a really solid wide receiver too uh, in the NFL. They traded away Amari Cooper. They did absolutely nothing to replace him, even though they knew that Michael Gallup wasn't going to be ready for the start of the season due to an ACL and MCL tear. Uh, They drafted Jalen Tolbert in the third round. He's so bad that he was a healthy scratch in week one. And they trotted out a receiver core of Cedar Lamb, great player, uh, Noah Brown, Dennis Houston, and Simi Fahoko. Uh, that was their wide receiver grouping on Sunday night. It was a disaster. No, None of them could get open. Dak couldn't find any of them. 
Uh, so that was that was funny to, to watch, and it's all Jerry Jones' fault because he's technically uh, the GM, and he seems to have control over everything. Uh, and then another thing that bothered me was after the game, Dak got injured in the game. Immediately after the game ends, Jerry Jones is going out there, talking to the reporters, and just spilling all the news on Dak Prescott, saying that he needs surgery, he's going to be out several weeks uh, for a long while. He just always has to be the center of attention. He has to be the one breaking the news. Um, and then today he comes out, gets on the radio, and says that the Cowboys will not put Dak on IR uh, because they believe he can return in the next four games, even though everything is pointed to him missing possibly eight weeks. Uh, and pretty much he's only doing this because he doesn't want fans to completely check out uh, on the season while Cooper Rush, by the way, uh, one of the worst backup quarterback situations uh, in the league, another part of the Jerry Jones personnel uh, handling uh, while he's their quarterback. So just, just, uh, this guy needs to, he's never going to sell a team like eh, until he dies, but man, what a disaster that guy and the Cowboys and as a whole are. Yeah. And it's, it's put so much pressure on like guys to come back from injury when you're like, uh, Hey, he like, we're not putting him on our, like he's going to stay on the active roster. It's like, meanwhile, Vegas drops their like win total from like 10 to like six, which was crazy. Like neither one of us had him in the, uh, over under draft that we did last week. So that's unfortunate, but you know, it just, uh, it's a wild thing there. Like, and he, I don't, I don't know how much of the decision-making he, he has at this point because his son supposedly does some of it, but then all the good moves they make end up being traced back to Jerry actually signing off and being like, actually, I loved him too. So it's hard to tell what, what's true and what's not, but man, this, this is, uh, he, you know, I actually don't mind him because I, I appreciate the fact that he like, helped get the TV deals that made the NFL what it is so I can enjoy it today. But at the same time, every time I listen to him, I'm just like, man, like sometimes I just think you suck. So I, I, I don't know. He is, he is a hard one to root for. Actually, I have another stop the nonsense. Um, I, I don't know if you saw this. I, I don't remember what podcast it was, um, but I saw Bruce Arians pop up um, on like a YouTube short or whatever. He was on some sort of, podcast and he was talking about how much uh he loved Mahomes coming out and he was his quarterback one uh for sure but oh I think that was on uh pardon my take I think oh was that yeah I think that's what it was yeah so if he loved him so much why didn't why didn't he try to get him I don't understand who was their quarterback at the time was that like he was with the Cardinals was was, Was he the Cardinals and uh was it Palmer well, no. no. Remember, that's when they drafted Rosen. Uh, so, because uh, I believe he was there for that. Yeah, he had to have been there for that. Um, and so, I think what happened is I think Buffalo moved. I think they said, well, we think he's going to fall to uh, to us. At, the, his revisionist history is they thought that he was going to fall because Kansas City ended up trading up from the bottom. To, to go up and get that pick but that's not true like we all know that people hear these things like there, there's no way that uh who was it the uh, somebody somebody traded down bills maybe uh dude their starting down. quarterback was blaine gabbert yeah but it was it was the year they drafted <laughs> josh rosen right so it's like so they they oh. were gonna draft a quarterback yeah, they just oh, yeah. they just didn't uh, they didn't pull the trigger then because they they supposedly thought that he was going to fall to them and I'm just like because uh, uh, it w- it wasn't it wasn't Mahomes right it was uh, it was Josh Allen. He said Mahomes. Oh well, I, well if he said I I thought he said Josh Allen because Josh Allen would have been that. Class. Oh no no that's the same class yeah yeah, yeah. no so, I, actually I don't know I don't know regardless. Yeah, well, we're we're right mixing either two different drafts up now. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, yeah, every anyway. every quarterback, every or coach, or uh, offensive coordinator, or GM, as soon as they're fired and they get to do their media tour, they they always come out and say, you know what? 
I, I, love I, don't, I don't tell a lot of people this, but he was actually my quarterback one. And it's like, I wish somebody would come out and say, you know, he was our quarterback seven. We thought he sucked. Like, credit to them for developing him because I don't think – because that's the reality of it is Josh Allen was terrible. Like, he, he was bad in college. He had a huge arm and he was mobile, but he, he, he had nothing that about him that was refined. Nobody had him as a top guy. Like, it, it so clearly was – he wasn't the quarterback one in that class, but he had all the tools and – credit to Buffalo they never gave up on him and he slowly got better and better and learned how to process quicker and quicker and they found offensive yeah. coaches which is why I always say offensive coaches should be head coaches but they they surrounded him with offensive coaches that helped groom him and turn him into what he is now and that was their vision like the, their sole vision was we don't care about wins and losses as much as if we develop this quarterback the wins will come and you know like I said, credit to them because they, they did what very few teams can. Yeah, uh, that's why it's great news for Malik Willis that Todd Downing is going to be uh, spearheading his development. Okay, I'm done. Anyway, <laughs> that'll do it for us uh, for this episode. We'll be back next week to hopefully recap a Tennessee Titans uh, win over Buffalo on Monday night. But regardless of the result, we'll be back. So make sure to tune in. Thanks for listening, and remember to always stop the nonsense.